Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, my lovely, beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, we're welcoming Grace Perry to read from her new book, The 2000s Made Me Gay, Essays on Pop Culture. But before I introduce them, I want to remind you that Skylight Books is now currently open, so please stop by. We're open from, as of now, we're open from 11 to 7, uh, 11 to 7 on the weekdays and 10 to 8 on the weekends. Please keep an eye out, though, for changes in the future with, you know, everything changing out there in the world and us just trying to catch up. We're still also offering curbside pickups and online ordering on our website, www.skylightbooks.com. So please check that out as well. Grace Perry's work has been published in a variety of outlets, including The New Yorker, New York Magazine's The Cut, BuzzFeed, Outside, and Eater. She's also a longtime regular contributor to The Onion and the feminist satire site, Reductress. Most of her work, comedy and journalism alike, interrogates the intersection of queerness, pop culture, and the internet. She currently lives in LA. Hi, Grace. It's so nice to have you here. I'm so excited for this. Hi, Lance. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my God. It's going to be, I'm, I should tell the listeners that like, I want, I was like, we're doing this podcast. We're doing this episode. <laughs> This one's, this is for me. This is not for anyone else. This is for me. Grace didn't know this Elbowing everyone at Skylight out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was um, a tyrant and I was like, no one else gets this for me. Um, no. And that is your queer prerogative. That's my queer prerogative. I was like, this is my rights. This is, this is mm-hmm. queer rights. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is my, I was going to, oh, is it problematic if I make this joke where I say, this is my brick at Stonewall. I think it is. I think it's problematic. No, I think it's fine. This is what Harvey Milk fought for. This is what Harvey Milk fought for. That's, you know what, that's, <laughs> that's what he fought for. Um, so you have a reading for us, Grace? I do. I have a reading um, that is from, so it's my book, The 2000s Made Me Gay, is an essay collection. Um, and it kind of is half pop culture criticism, half a memoir you know it's, it's essays where I'm incorporating a lot of like my own personal experience um mm-hmm. into it and it's basically a book about that's like my thoughts about my feelings about um teen pop culture in the 2000s um so I'm gonna read for a bit from an essay called banter boys Christian Seth Jim and me and um this uh, I guess the only context that you need for this is that 
to this point, I'm writing about, um, I'm, I'm in eighth grade and I'm writing about my, my four girlfriends and it, how it was, it was the first time where I had this like crew of girls that I was friends with because I had just had a lot of, you know, always hung out with boys when I was little. And, um, we are in eighth grade and we are obsessed with boys and we watch Moulin Rouge like every weekend. Um, and our, um, yeah, we're just super obsessed with Moulin Rouge. That's pretty much the only context you need to know. Okay. I was say, that was me in that same time period watching Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yes. Totally. Okay. So here we go. One of the Noras struck gold when she briefly dated Max, a boy who had seen Moulin Rouge. Whether he watched it on his own or because he knew all the girls liked it remains unclear to this day. I do recall, though, that Nora and Max would type the lyrics to Moulin Rouge songs to each other on AOL Instant Messenger. The, the five of us shrieked when we realized that Max had miswritten the line, want to vanish inside your kiss in Come What May, the musical's one original melody, as want to finish, insert your kiss. Still, I was jealous that Nora got to play digital Moulin Rouge cosplay with a boy, despite his failure to Google song lyrics. I was jealous that Nora got to be Satine, but in a way I did too. In the spring for a school project, our friend Samantha recreated the red dress that Satine wears during Elephant Love Medley, a long silk gown with a plunging neckline suitable only for a person with ample chest to fill it. By virtue of having the most developed breasts of the five of us, Samantha tailored the dress to my measurements. I got to be the model. I traipsed around Nora R's Ukrainian village house in full Lerman universe costume, belting, I will always love you, as Samantha photographed me. I felt like a star. I felt feminine. I never found my Christian, despite all the smooching, but I got to be in the story we loved so much. Once I came out, I asked myself, do I wanna be her or bang her, quite literally and quite often? But why would I bother to interrogate my attraction at age 13 in what would be the throes of peak heterosexuality? I was making out in basements on the reg. Why would I be anything but into boys? And yet I now see that even in that red dress, I didn't want to be Satine. I didn't want to be a tuberculosis stricken damsel trapped in the clutches of a weasel duke. Maybe I wanted to be French and thin and a good singer, but that was where my idolization of Kidman's character ended. No, I just had a throbbing crush on Nicole Kidman. I was fixated on the way Kidman's chest rose and fell, breathing deep to combat her corset, on her dazzle of red hair, on her so odd thin eyebrows, so strange and long that they nearly connected with her ears. I made the same mix up with Scarlett Johansson and Lost in Translation, and then with Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago, and then with Blake Lively as a soccer star in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I watched these movies over and over again, enamored by the lead. I became obsessed with early aughts phenoms in middle school and with, without the tools to figure out what exactly I was feeling, assumed my infatuation with hot older women was a desire to be a hot older woman. I was yearning for role models and because I was a girl, mistook my teen horniness for female celebs as a desire to be like them. In truth, it was probably some mix of both. 
And that's, that's the teaser. Then I talk about boys who I wanted to be. So. It's so funny you say that. And it's like, I remember, cause I remember reading that part of being like, oh, I wanted the opposite. I wanted to be the Citrinia. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be- Citrinia. Citrinia, that's it. I put an R in there for no reason, but I wanted to be her <laughs> getting wooed by Ewan McGregor. But mm -hmm. I was also saying like, I, my thing would always be like, yeah, I just love the music. Or, or like having that, like seeing those, wanting to be those uh, women and being like, oh, I'm attracted to them. That's me. I'm, oh, they're hot. And that's why I'm watching this. Not like the- I yeah, totally. I, I have a friend who it always cracks me up who um, his uh, his crush in seventh grade, like his like proof that he was straight was that he had his crush with Kate Blanchett, which now is just like, <laughs> kills me. It is my favorite thing. But like for me, my version of that was like I had the flip with um, so the, in, later in that essay, I talk about like Seth Cohen from the OC is, was a big character for me of being like, you know, the, there was a the whole OC thing for uh, for girls of, of mm -hmm. my age that was like, do you like Seth or do you like Ryan? Like, they're so different. And whoever you like, you know, defines who you are as a person. And I was like, well, I'm like funny and all. So I like Seth. Um, but like, really, I was just like, oh, Seth is actually like just a character who I feel similar to. And I like him because because I was, I'm like, oh, I want to be friends with this person. Yeah. Um, but but you know, yeah, so like what you were saying, like going in the opposite direction of like, oh, yeah, no, I like this because like, I, I have a crush on him because I, I, you know, think that that's what I'm supposed to be feeling. The cringiest one I had a crush on, which is maybe like, oof, I mean, person who's in the media today still, um, not for good reasons. Um, the person who I, though, when I look back and I'm like, it was so, it was so obvious. Um, <laughs> Deborah Messing, because I would, I was watching Rain <laughs> Grace all the time that I had to have an excuse for watching it where I was like, yeah, like Deborah uh, Messing is so hot. And I, that's the reason I'm watching this. That is, that is like the most incredible and like so fucking transparent of like, yeah, I'm oh, only God. watching Will and Grace for Deborah Messing. For Deborah Messing. <laughs> and I was just like, I think about that now and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I like, I remember talking to my sister and being like, it's so obvious. It was so obvious. How did none of you say anything? She was just like, my sister says the funniest thing. And she's like, I didn't know what being gay was but I knew that you were that. <laughs> I was just yeah, like, totally. She's like, there's just something just here something. and I can't put my finger on it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let Lance think he's in love with Deborah Messing. Exactly. There, yeah. there, of that, and I think your book touches on that too, where it's like, we there was no vernacular that we were taught for certain queerness that we were seeing, but we knew what it was. Like, mm -hmm. I think of like mm -hmm. the High School Musical franchise, Ryan in High School Musical, Queer mm -hmm. tell, but none of us were like none of like you were when you were younger you weren't like oh that's what being that's like a part of queer culture there you were just like there's something I'm seeing similar to myself in that character or something. totally I mean yeah basically you know Brian is like such a strong example of that because yeah. um he is just like like watching it now like I re I rewatched High School Musical when I was oh, when too. I was writing the book and it's just like oh this is just this is just a gay boy like like not you know in any and to the point and of course they never like confirm that in the in the in the right. movies and like he ends up dating a girl like whatever like of course Disney was not going to go there but um watching it now you're just like 
but yeah, that's just like, that's just a gay kid. And um, it's this weird thing of like, but, but like gay to the point that like, if he had actually been like confirmed as a gay character, then we would have been like, this is offensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> we've been like, this is such a stereotype oh, yeah. that this is like way overboard. Oh, yeah. um, but no, it's this weird thing. And they did that with other um, characters too. Like, I, I mean, for me, I think it honestly probably was more common with girls we saw in media in like the early aughts than, yeah. um, than with boys in that like, coming off of like the 90s and like sort of this like girl power feminism movement and mm -hmm. um now we're all these like second waivers were like becoming moms and, and raising their own girls there was just more of like acceptance for tomboys and th mm -hmm. so there was a lot of more like um you know i read in the book i read about in that same essay with like cadet kelly was this very mm -hmm. like you know tomboy I mean there's just like so much sapphic tension in that movie but then also motocross is a huge one mm -hmm. and like there were just there was just a lot of that um of, that. of girls were allowed to be tomboys mm -hmm. but like never ever actually gay right and it and of course like there are so many girls who are tomboys as kids and then grow up and are straight and like right. whatever um but like a lot of them aren't <laughs> like, you know and so like being like oh yes mass a girl is portraying some like masculine characteristics as a child mm. like has nothing to do with her sexuality yeah. I think is just disingenuous it's I mean it is and there's so much when you said like motocross my brain was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah 100 percent like yeah motocross defined a generation of queer women and queer and probably like queer women and like the intersection of like the non-binary culture and like gender mm -hmm. and like gender queer expression in a way that mm -hmm. I'm like I feel like if you like did a deep dive into it which your book does do and I feel like it's in your book like a deep dive into that you like find a straight line to it like a straight line to like a lot of like ex uh self-acceptance now and how people yeah totally and like of course like inherent into like the whole plot of inherent to the whole plot of motocross is that like she has a crush on a boy you know, like you know like like yeah. they have to make that like very very clear but it's just like oh no this like just looks like a butch girl you yeah. know like this yeah. or the, and and has this you know she just has this very like androgynous look that is mm -hmm. now like we see a lot more um mm -hmm. it's men women and non-binary people and yeah. um the uh yeah no, it's just it again. Uh, like, highly recommend going back and watching, watching motocross and just being like, I feel insane. Like, it, it's a great way if you want to feel insane. Like, yeah. watch motocross. No, I, I watch. I rewatched Cadet Kelly recently and was just like, what? <laughs> they not? Why aren't they kissing? Like, they're so in love with each other. Wild. It is like honestly, the sexual tension is electrifying between Hillary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano. Oh, You're just like they should. They're in love. Like they're that's just love. what's happening. They they um, hate each other because they secretly want to like be with each other. It makes sense. And then yeah, they like yeah. they do the routine at the end. I'm like, oh, this is like, no, this is yeah, <laughs> they're in love. <laughs> and oh my god, what a movie. Um, what. I, I knew I was coming gonna come into this uh, conversation and be like, I'm just gonna talk about pop culture from the 2000s yeah. the entire time. Yeah, um, but, that's what I'm here for. And that's what I kind of went into reading your book thinking I was gonna get like, uh, and I did get that, but also I got this more like intimate, like look into your life and how you were raised. 
through media, which I think all of us, mm-hmm. especially our age um, group, have grown up through. Maybe the Gen Zers more. Like they're just they're mm-hmm. just media. But like, I feel like it was for our generation more of a here's here's how media is changing. We got like a transition period of media becoming more engrossed in everyday life, and mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like your book touches on that well. Can you talk mm. about how it was like getting so personal about your relationship to these shows and mm-hmm. periods and time and all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I write about this a bit in the intro to the book, mm. but um, I find it very, again, to use the word disingenuous, to believe that like, pop culture is just something we use to like that it is somehow not connected to our everyday lives like Mm -hmm. especially or that it's something where you're just like I'm just going to turn my brain off and like watch a tv show or watch a movie or or read a book that is sort Mm -hmm. of like this like you know escapism Mm -hmm. um because I think especially now in the binge era Mm -hmm. um and with streaming and just like you know as you were saying like there's just so much content to consume and we do consume a lot of it and spend a lot of time on our phones and looking at screens um that it is that that you know of course like literally just the sheer amount of time we're spending watching tv like that's still that's still us being humans and still Mm -hmm. us like doing a thing and participating with something and engaging with something and like even no matter how frivolous or stupid a TV show is like mm-hmm. it's still going to have an impact on your brain right like right. I have watched so much Survivor in the past year like since the, <laughs> since the pandemic started mm-hmm. that I'm just like Jeff Probst is just like warping my brain now at all <laughs> times and like I'm, I'm just like thinking about thinking about my big moves constantly yeah. um but so but I but especially so you know for me I think that that's like especially true for teenagers because your brain is so spongy and you're so smart but but unsure of yourself and trying to trying to figure out who you are and what you want to be and who your role models are what what your future looks like what your present looks like and um and I think there's just the sheer amount of time we spend you know watching tv and movies and stuff is is going to and does have an impact on you and and it it certainly had an impact on me Mm -hmm. um and so that was sort of like kind of that was sort of like the premise of the book was like TV, like <laughs> entertainment is a real thing and yeah. you know um but I, I think that for me like you know I do get pretty personal with a lot of like talking about coming out and figuring that stuff out and and for me that was just like I um you know I don't have like the kind of um coming out story that is something that's gonna blow anyone's mind you know, like, I don't have a coming out story that's like, you know, I wasn't like sent to conversion therapy. Like I had, you know, I went to Catholic school. I had some like hangups and, and difficulties, you know, in, in my community, uh, in the community I grew up on, I grew up in, but I, I don't think that I have like just a story in itself that is mm-hmm. going to be like shocking. Right. I'm just like, I realized I was gay and then I came out in college. Um, and so I think that like, in order to, to make it more interesting I just had to get more personal and I had to get more like real and like look at what I was how I was thinking and feeling and behaving as a teenager and just like be really honest about like being and being embarrassing you know (laughs) and like that that was just like honestly just kind of a writing 
technique of just like this, it's the more personal I get, even the more specific I get, the more that that's going to connect with people. And that ultimately was my goal. So. And I think that like method of like, what you just said being embarrassing in a way yeah it made it feel more like genuine and like I I was reading it like oh my god I am also like looking back at my because the past is embarrassing the past yeah you've done is like I always say this joke if I saw teenage me I would like beat the crap out of me because the shit I was trying to do (laughs) I was like you're embarrassing me you're but like it is it is we all did embarrassing things we didn't know better teenagers are the most chaotic creatures that ever exist. I, mm-hmm. um, I, if I see a group of like middle schoolers, I'll cross the street because they terrify me. I don't want to <laughs> ever go back to that world. Um, but like, you do in such a graceful, huh, graceful way, um, uh, and in a way that like I feel like invites other people to say, "This is my. This was also my truth back in the day, and I have to." Um, I should revisit it because it did shape me into who I am right now. So mm-hmm, one, thank mm-hmm. you for doing that in your book. And two, why <laughs> no problem. Would you do this to me? <laughs> why would you I did it me? actually to personally terrorize you and, and nobody I else. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew it. And somehow I'm still honored. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, you know, I think that like, yeah, I think that we all just need to be more upfront, even though we like, we grow up and we grow into different people and, you know, calm down and are not like raging with hormones anymore. Mm -hmm. Like there still is like a part of all of us that is that teenage self. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, you know, for me that, that comes up in listening to Olivia Rodrigo's album, right? Like I'm like that old ass millennial who's like, I love it, kids, you're doing great. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, so, so engaging with like, that sort of like teenage pop culture, like I'm still, there's still a part of me that's like always going to feel like the person who I write about in this book. And I don't think that, and and some things I do, I did and thought and felt like seem unrecognizable now, but like in some weird way, I think that we're all like every version of ourselves at all times. And it's just a matter of like allowing ourselves to connect with ourselves in the past, you know? And that I think is like, I mean, you're right. Like I watching like little Nas X, like kill it out there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is for the kids. This is for like the teenagers. And I'm so jealous of them because I wish I had that on. I know. <sighs> Can you imagine? Like I, it's, it's I, I love it. Like I, I am it. just like, yeah, his, his SNL performance was just unreal. Like I, I watched it obsessed. 10 times already. I've watched it like, yeah. Who like who would have thought that we would eventually get like this openly like queer and sexual like black man black mm. man on television doing like this with like a very queer black group of people surrounding mm-hmm. him and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean from where I, from when I like I'm thinking from my Glee days and like oh God, yeah my from where we come through and talking about Glee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to, to seamlessly transition into that topic uh, it's so funny because like again I feel targeted <laughs> because I'm right now and this is my guilty shame me my sister has never watched Glee in her entire life and she's like always looking for um queer content and she she was she was like I need to watch Santana and Brittany I need to do this so she's watching Glee for the first time and I decided to go on this journey with her 
and oh my god after rewatching it and i can tell you oh my god i'm watching it like how did my parents where where are you right now i'm in season three they just like they just um the karofsky like bully the bullies sue trying to like commit suicide yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. because that was that was like wrapped into the it gets better campaign yeah um yeah i um it is yeah another thing to feel insane while watching but like it's also it is has i mean i you know in my book i kind of identify glee as like you know it came out at the very end of 2009 so it doesn't really it's to me it's more of the it's, it's Glee is the beginning of the 2010s. It's not really the end of the aughts, but I kind of, yeah. I touch on it at the end of the book as sort of like transit as this like really big mm-hmm. show that transitioned. And um, that, that kind of transitioned the, the like teen pop culture into mm-hmm. like just this like big gay character boom of the 2010s. Characters and celebrities coming out and all of this. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, and what I think it was is just, it wasn't just that it was like, yay, representation, like, yay, this is amazing. But like, basically, Glee made a shitload of money. And then Hollywood was like, oh, we can make money making shows about gay kids. Okay, cool. There's a market for this. And then like, you know, and so now there's, you know, throughout the course of the 2010s, there's been like, so many great Mm -hmm. shows, some some not great shows, (laughs) but a lot of great shows about, um, uh, you know, with a lot of a lot of well rounded gay characters. And Mm -hmm. so when you go back to Glee, and it's, it's so cringe um but also it's like damn this it, like i when when i rewatch and i haven't in a while it was like when i was researching the book but like yeah. when i like rewatch like britney and santana like i'm just like i feel like i am you know 20 or however old i was mm. when i came out and, and watching them and being like this is so exciting that like this yeah. is able to happen on TV. So you can you can kind of like engaging with that media as a way to like bring yourself back to that space who you were as a person in that time. No, it's it's so because like I was watching the teenage dream episode where they introduce mm-hmm. um, Blaine's character, and I remember being mm-hmm. that I was a thing. I, I think I was a junior in high school, and I was mm-hmm. just like oh that's I'm in love with this per, with this character because this yeah. is what I want this I want that teenage dream someone singing to me the song moment yeah and I'm watching it now like oh you were insane but like I get it like I'm back in that I'm back seeing myself as a 16 year old be like oh this is this this is why like a lot of I'm like seeing the ripple effect of that too and who mm-hmm. I am today and how the mm-hmm. journey I went to from being that person to who I am. So I think you're, it, it does do a lot of like, it's a lot of self-reflection. Well, and, and the thing with Glee is like, like I remember, so, you know, it came out when I was a freshman, a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember being, and it was like right when I was, I was actually coming out to mm-hmm. my friends and family. And um I just remember seeing Glee and it just, you know, things like, things like Curtin Blaine, which it's just like having that, like, you know, Blaine being this like dreamboat character mm-hmm. who comes in and serenades, you know, another guy. Um, I just remember seeing like that plotline and Brittany and Santana and just, you know, the other gay stuff and just being really jealous and mm-hmm. being very like, even aware of like at the point when I was like 20, aware of the fact that like oh my god if this had been on when I was like in like eighth grade or Mm -hmm. high school like I would have seen this and been like 
oh, this is something I can want. And this is something that like speaks to me and that I'm, or at least that I'm like curious about, or at least my friends and I would have like an opening to talk about queerness in the context of these characters. And then maybe I would have like, you know, an experience like yours where you're like watching Blaine and you're like, oh, wow, I have such a crush on this person. Yeah. I, this is forcing me to kind of take an actual look at these feelings and take them seriously. But because there was just like no gay characters, I like I just did that would that were actually like well-rounded or, right. you know, taken seriously. Um, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't even like cross my mind. Yeah. It, it, I really had to go out of my way to like have to like engage with, gay people <laughs> and right. as a teenager which it feels insane now but it feels, it, feels I, it makes me feel crazy it makes me like mm-hmm. be like i want to like go to i think my next therapy appointment i'll be like so i'm re-watching these shows and i'm having like i'm realizing a lot of my trauma rooted from and just like list off all of these shows i'm yeah here are all the crimes that ryan murphy has committed against me personally personally <laughs> i one of my favorite i'm sorry ryan murphy if you're listening to this please give me a job um, <laughs> Like one of my favorite things is to say is like to be watching a scene and something incredibly crazy happens. I'm like Ryan Murphy will never see the light of heaven because how dare, <laughs> how dare he? Like like it'll be like Amber Riley or Mercedes losing a, a role or a solo to Rachel, and I'm like how how is this how, happening? How how is this insane. happening? Insane, absolute uh, insanity, absolute insanity. But that's Glee. And you know what? If one thing Glee does right is insanity. That's and true. It's so true. Um, yeah. So my, I read this book, I, or even before I read this book, I like had this question, how did you, did you have like a list of like um, things that like you were remembered from the 2000s that influenced you or like, like had like a moment where you're like, oh my God, this did this, that inspired you to write this book? This TV show did this for me in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I, um it actually it started with the so I have a chapter on I kissed a girl Mm -hmm. um the Katy Perry song um and that was that came out in 2008 and so I wrote this essay a -hmm. version of the one in the book but I I think the original draft was pretty different but um in like 2018 that I was going to pitch like as a 10-year retrospective whatever Mm-hmm. Um, and then instead of that, I was just like, oh, this can, I can actually do this with a bunch of different mm-hmm. things. Um, like I can, you know, and, and so I don't know, I think I just started, like, I've always been, I think, I think I especially got really into like teen TV shows when I was no longer a teenager. And yeah. I think a lot of that had to do with sort of a delayed adolescence. Um, and sort of like, I, once I was you know, out and started dating people and having my own sort of like romantic dramas in mm-hmm. in the way that we see a lot on teen TV shows, that was like, it made them more fun to rewatch because yeah. I felt like I was actually experiencing something that the characters had. Whereas like when I was in high school, I was just like, I am a vessel for confusion. Uh, <laughs> and like, and so I, I obviously, you know, I watched the OC Gossip Girl, all that um, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, but I don't think that I was like, I, I kept an interest going I think in my early 20s um and no I think I was just kind of like you know starting with that Katy Perry thing was like okay well I know I can talk about like the OC and Gossip Girl and I I kind of was just thinking through like what were the you know what were the 
pieces of entertainment that I consumed as a kid. And that was really, that was like the baseline. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I didn't write about, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but like, you know, this isn't, it's not a book that's about all of the gay subtext in 2000s pop culture. Like it is a book about the gay subtext that like I, that spoke to me personally. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't write about Buffy in this, like, and you know, and that's like a big queer thing in the 2000s but I was like I didn't watch it until I was you know in my in my mid-20s like I I you know so integral to this project was you know I need to be reconnecting with the the entertainment that I consumed as a kid Mm -hmm. and um figuring out parsing out like how this kind of shaped who I am Mm -hmm. um so it really just started with thinking like, okay, what was I really into when I was a teenager? And, right. you know, kind of, I, I went from there. And that, I mean, it does a great job of showing like, I feel like you, I was reading it and I was like, oh, I feel like I know Grace a little bit. Like you're- Oh, that's so sweet. No, I just, I'm like, I'm, am I friends with this person? Yeah, because- I, I think you are. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, think <laughs> I am. Not, not from this, but from the book. I just want you, not from this. <laughs> Totally joking. No, this the is, podcast has been hell, but um, you know, but, but, like, the book. <laughs> but thank God for this book that hell, hell, it's yeah. holding us all together. No, it's um, it just like I read this book and I was like, oh, I relate to this, or, or I was like talking out loud, like he's like, you know what, Grace, you're right here, you're right, and I'm like, <laughs> underlining like this is correct. Oh my God, like my friend Grace, oh, I love that. I was like at uh, reading it um, during a break at work, and I like was telling I was telling a coworker I was like oh my god this essay by Grace is just like so on point and they were like who I'm like it's fine it's fine, it's fine. and I was like she's my best friend and my I best friend. Her, okay she's my, she's my friend and I don't need you to talk about her like this uh, that first of all that is hateful speech um no that is so sweet and I love that like that makes me so happy and you yeah. know there were definitely points in writing this that you know going going back to what I was saying before of like thinking like, okay, the more specific I can get about my own experience, like the mm-hmm. more that that has like, can reach more people, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Like, I think that in being in like, inviting the reader into my, you know, personal life, mm-hmm. there, that, you know, you're kind of creating a connection with someone. And, and that was, that was the goal. So it makes me really happy to hear. Yeah. And I think it just, it just, it shows off really well. Um, my, I wanted to know, though, because you, you have a, like a nice curated list of pop culture things you like really go in depth on, but was there any that like you wish, or like if there was a part two you would do more of? Like, yeah, I definitely had, like there have been points since I finished writing this that I was like, fuck, I should have written about that. But <laughs> um, okay. I have, um, okay, so Blink-182 would be a big one for me. Oh, yeah. And I think that kind of fits into like the Banter Boys chapter of being like, no, I didn't really have a crush on Blink-182 at all. But like, it was this sort of, this weird thing of idolizing um, like these like very problematic cis straight dudes who are just like such dicks and like make homophobic jokes all the time. But yeah. like I... But like at the same time, I felt like that sort of like unabashed boyishness um, mm. was something that really appealed to me and something I was I was really drawn to. And I, I felt sort of um, some kind of power in um, 
emulating in some way. Like, and, and by that, I mean, like, I tried skateboarding for like one week, one summer. Um, right. I'm trying to think of other stuff. Like, I, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the like, oh, these are gay things that happened, but like, didn't, I didn't really have a, like a lot to say that right. I think there are just like other people who probably had more like powerful like experiences with them like yeah. the you know I think of like tattoo right like the Russian lesbians who were like did the all the things she said and yeah. um, whatever that there were these like performative like lesbian schoolgirl thing mm. um that was like really popular for like basically just like the year of 2002 like I, I mentioned them but I don't really get in on them because mm. again I think that was something where I was just like even even as like a 12 year old I was like I don't think this is what lesbianism is yeah. <laughs> like, I was like I, I don't know about this um no I mean that was like me watching Will and Grace and being like where why do they look like why do they all look the same and yeah not a person of color in sight interesting no not at all yeah I mean I yeah and and that I think is what's like so interesting about like a lot of the queer characters of this time was because like there were so few of them like they were all like it was all like thin cis white people you know mainly men and so like it's such a weird thing where like you can feel like you know what you were just describing with will and grace of being like i i connect to this in some Mm. besides for the fact that you were in love with deborah messing um that was my girl like i i connect to this because there is because these are gay characters and and i'm craving that on some Mm. level even if i don't know that i am but then at the same time it is it's presenting this um model of gayness that is just yeah. like you know wealthy white guys in New York City exactly. right so it's it's there's this tension of like of of reaching out for that kind of thing even though it is going to fail you over and over again right you know and I mean and I wonder if you feel this too I feel like there are times even today where I feel like that same wanting to reach out to that like I was I rewatched, I watched um, shows like Looking or like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which one did I just watch that was just like, oh, this is, hmm. oh, I watched the show The Magicians, which is like. What is The Magician? Oh my God, Grace. You know, it's such <laughs> is it about thing. gay magicians? There, there is like, it, it's about like, think like, oh God, Harry Potter, Ugh. But like grad school Harry Potter, which sounds worse, which like that does sound worse. Sounds worse. But there's a lot of like queerness to the show, and but it's still mm. like very in for both shows. It's very like white centric and very like pretty, very like very pretty thin or pretty jacked like white gay characters. But then yeah, right. you get like the in the hint of like it hint of queerness and uh the magicians or you'll get like it's about gay men but like where the other queer people in the show for like looking but i'm still like this is a part of me that was still that was doing that for will and grace and for Mm -hmm. um other shows i watched back then i can't remember oh friends where i was like Mm. i'm like come on just one just one (laughs) i know it but like those kind of shows were or uh sex in the city i feel like is a good example Mm, mm -hmm. where you're just like i guess i just have to deal with stanford because that's my option i do kind of sex in the city is one where i'm like oh i could have had stuff to say but it feels it's like straddled 90s and 2000s so i guess i did mostly watch in the 2000s so that's one that i'm like 
I could go back because I did right. watch a lot of Sex and the City. I mean, again, like Sex and the City, you know, fails us in so many ways, but it's also mm-hmm. a great show. And like, right. I, you know, I, I guess it's like this, I, but the, you know, TV is not supposed to be perfect. We're not supposed to be like right. solving the world problems with TV. And so then, so it's like having the standard of like, every show should perfectly represent who I am personally Mm -hmm. like you know I'm a cis white woman so like I'm actually going to get that in a lot of situations but I'm I'm also like it it, like that puts a lot of it puts a lot putting like moral you know supremacy like like holding tv shows responsible for their you know being some sort of moral compass in the world I'm like it's a business like they're you know it's inherently flawed in in a capitalist society so you know yeah. I mean, and again the root of all problems is capitalism right it's, so at the end of the day blame capitalism blame capitalism and that's what the 2000 gate mini gay is about guys uh <laughs> capitalism. you heard it here first you heard it here, uh skylight exclusive um yeah no um no i think that like yeah it's it's putting a lot of taking i mean i feel like you do that in a lot of the stuff where even i was reading like uh the glee chapter and i was like mm-hmm. oh you could have easily made this uh why glee was wrong or why glee uh did mm. its viewers wrong and didn't give enough because there's so many reasons there's so many reasons like you literally <laughs> i have a list in my back pocket but what you did was say hey glee was wrong but you also did this for so many people. And I even look at it as a person who's rewatching it now, I'm so sorry to everyone hearing that. Um, but as a person rewatching it now, I, who's watching it with a very critical lens, I, I have to agree. I have to agree with what you're saying. And I have to like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this, um, this weight we all carry with things we watched and are just like, we watched them, we did this mm-hmm. and they did influence us. For the better, in a way, it's, uh, it's it, it's like it is capitalism because definitely people mm-hmm. were like, oh, we can monetize this, but they were monetizing yeah. because more people were watching it and it got it. It was what yeah. it was what we needed. Totally. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. I'm I'm really not uh not a fan of uh, stuff you see a lot online of like people shitting on like oh you thought you loved this movie but it was actually so problematic it's like yeah (laughs) movies aren't supposed to like how are we what is this insane standard we're holding movies to like we should all be trying better but like i don't whatever we can't like it's not gonna start off perfect like that would be terrible if ever if the perfect movie came out the beginning why would we need more movies right that's exactly right yeah no and it it's just it 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 these shows, I feel like in 10, 20 years, we'll be like looking back as like, oh, this is where we were as a society and this is how we've grown mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And exactly. I think a book like yours is a great like text on that, like a mm. documentation of like how we've moved through society and gotten better. <laughs> and hopefully mm-hmm. we'll get even more better. I mean, they did put out yeah. a iteration of the L word recently. So like, we'll see, but like- <laughs> yeah. They, but it hopefully is getting better. I'm sorry for all the fans of the L word listening. I have no qualms with that show or the people who watch it. Um, well, I have some thoughts that uh, see, are I documented just, in an I essay just don't want called. Because they're, I know the fans <laughs> almost, 
they they will come for me and I they can come for me it's fine <laughs> you can find grace uh, at yeah. no. um no there's but there's like stuff like that like I think Queer as Folk is getting mm -hmm. a remake too and I'm just like oh is it yeah oh yeah I think you're right okay but I think of, and I'm just tired of these remakes I mean well and Grace just ended their remake and my girl Deborah Messing yeah. I it just it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. I didn't yeah. mm -hmm. I didn't feel that same spark with me and her. Um mm -hmm. no it's, but it's so how do you feel about that? Like these a lot of these things, I mean Grey's Anatomy is still running and I one loved you talking about Grey's Anatomy because I'm still till this day I'm on the Grey's Anatomy boat and it's hard. Oh yeah, me too. It's hard to it's watch. A, it's it's not it's a look, we're here together. Thank um you. I have been thinking like this season of Grey's, first of all, like Ellen Pompeo is a fucking genius that she is getting paid 20 million dollars to literally be in a coma for the entire season like do it literally not doing anything she occasionally is on a beach having conversations with Patrick Dempsey um and, and like bring, that's been her job she did bring they, she did get to have a conversation with the love of my life T.R. Knight who oh my god Again, speaking of characters that like going back and watching yeah. early grades, you're like, oh, George should have been gay. Like George, George is gay. George like we should have just made George gay. It's very, like, it's so weird. It's so funny. I fell in love with George from the beginning of that show. And I was like, yeah. hey, what is, and then I rewatch, I'm like, oh, cause he's gay. He's gay. Cause he's, cause <laughs> he's, he's gay. Yeah. Gay. Yeah. Open. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I'm sorry. I interrupted you though. Um, the, no, what were you, oh, Ellen I Pompeo, think I interrupted how she's a genius um making all this oh no oh but oh yeah 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 but like i am starting you know it's is this season 17 or 18 17 i think 17, i yeah. am starting to think you know it might be time to to close the curtain on grace anatomy i'm i'm still here i watch every episode i i mostly am like i hate these people except for you meredith gray yeah. um but still like has my heart bailey was is the one who's still will forever have my heart but yeah everyone else Bailey Bailey definitely has my heart it's so funny um, that Weber's still on the show where he has had like what 18 death scares throughout the show he keeps almost dying his character is also such like a dunce now like he's so he's so like I'm just this old guy who's like burr to burr like yeah. you know having his whereas like and then when you go back to the early seasons you're like oh he was like fucking scary and like yeah. in charge and like yeah. such a such a high status character and yeah. now he's just like some guy who like rolls into the OR occasionally. It's very, they have, poor um, Richard. <laughs> he only started out as like an old man. Like his character was like mm -hmm. an old man from the beginning. So it's crazy that 18 years later, he's still playing an even older man. Who's like, he's just an older man. He's just an older who, man. Like every, like other, every other season they're like, he should not be operating on people anymore and then he does <laughs> and, then, and he almost he shouldn't be operating on people has a like a crazy death scare moment wasn't he like electrocuted one time like it yeah oh my god he was, <laughs> was so like, i remember watching that's when i took a break because i was like i can't do this anymore i have to know and i and like he i mean the show started off with him having a death scare because he's like has mm -hmm. a brain aneurysm it just the show, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'll say- I, I can't, I honestly cannot keep track of the death scares. Like, I'm just like, bring it on more. I just, and, um, I, and I say that Grey's Anatomy will bury me because it'll probably keep going on until after my death. Ellen Pompeo will, the state- I, I won't watch the firefighter show. No, you, God, no. Do you, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, thank I, you. There's, have, um, they'll like occasionally weave things in yeah. and I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening and but that won't make me go watch the firefighter show. I will say like on the topic of of like 
stuff I wish I had written about or that I would do in the next installment is mm-hmm. like um, uh, Cali in Arizona, yeah. um, which is like such, but, but again, like sticking with my rule of like, I had to have consumed this as a teenager. Like right. I didn't watch those, like those seasons of, of Grey's until mm-hmm. later. So I didn't, it didn't have like a, a more like impact on mm-hmm. me as, as a teenager. It was more like mm-hmm. going back and being like, oh shit, these are like, this is like, pretty early you know mm. this it was pretty glee they had yeah. cali and arizona um mm. so and cali and arizona yeah. i feel like were a definitely they were a model you think they were like a yeah a model for like what the santana britney relationship was too mm-hmm. i think it's just like it, it's so interesting how those two it, it must have been like a trope for like lesbian characters to have that kind of i don't know like in like in what way? Like how like it's like their relationship is like one person coming out during the relationship. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. Like, I mean, I I think that right, and the the sort of like figuring out your sexuality through falling in love with somebody else. Exactly. Um, that I I have thoughts about that, but like, <laughs> well, I mean, I that is that's something that I do talk about in the book, but I talk about it in right. the context of Katy Perry and of being mm. like, oh, it's so and and a whatever. But basically yeah. talk about how much easier it is to come out in, or, or, or I perceived it, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't have this experience, but right. I thought it would be so much easier to come out if like I like had a girlfriend because then mm-hmm. I had somebody to like point to and be like, oh, I fell in love with this person. Like, this is what happened. Whereas just right. being, coming out as gay and not having like anyone who is a, your, you know, part, boyfriend, girlfriend, like whatever, mm-hmm. um, is so much more embarrassing because you're just like I would love to have this kind of sex if uh, it were ever on the table for me thank you so much um but I also think that like the the like character plot or the uh, the plot line of the coming out in a relationship thing is like um I think that we just see that a lot and and this is changing this is totally changing but Mm. certainly in the aughts and probably early 2010s kind of one of the main like plot lines we would see for queer people on TV is coming out. And I think that, you know, and and like we do a lot more interesting things than come out, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are like, that is such, at the end of the day is like such a small thing in compared to like the rest of the lives we live. And um, I don't know, I think it's probably, you know, straight people in charge perceiving uh, like coming out as being the most interesting or dramatic thing that happens to queer people but I just don't think that's true which is ironic now that I'm like I wrote a book that is basically documenting my own coming out <laughs> right. like, you know so I'm playing into that narrative too <laughs> um but but I'm glad to see <clears throat> I'm glad to see that there are just like more more shows and and movies and stuff about people who are just out and already you know have dealt with that shit you know right. and I but, but, but then again we still sorry go on no, I was going to say, but what you just said about, like, your book is about coming out, I feel like it's deeper than that, though. It's not even about coming, it's about, like, something that people should talk about, which is, like, how we were influenced to come out, how we were, mm-hmm. it was, like, I feel like you're, there's definitely a cultural analysis on, like, how media and society was, like, hey, you, hey, you millennials, <laughs> this is how you mm-hmm. should do it, because this is how we mm-hmm. kind of want you to do it. So I feel, I sense a lot of that in your book, so I feel like, it's mm-hmm. not the typical coming out narrative, but more of an analysis or a criticism on it too. From mm. 
Yeah, I think I, I mean, I'm, thank you. And that's, that's good to hear. Um, I mean, it's definitely not, I, I guess like the drama is not in me coming out in this because mm. um, the title is called the 2000s made me gay. So there's no surprise that I come out. That's right. not like a shocking turning point in the book. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, it, you know, the book is, is me looking at like, okay, what models did I have or what models did I like decide or, or what models did I like allow to influence me, mm. even though they were insufficient right. you know um even though they were imperfect and then like what happened yeah. when i followed through on that model it's yeah. so something you just said too reminded me of did you ever watch that show um the other two that came out on comedy central yeah so that, great i love it there was like the line where they were like in the acting class and they were doing like the uh, simulated sex scene and mm. the teacher's just like and gay sex is being what is it being ashamed and like when you have to everyone if you want to be a serious actor you have to do a gay scene and gay sex is about being ashamed and i'm just like oh my god it's so so many that's like the 2000s like entire like thing was that like they were like yeah you have if you're a straight actor playing gay make sure the sex is shameful and like you're sad the entire time yeah um, 100 and like someone's gonna die at the end um die at the end or if someone's just gonna anatomy, disappear if it's Grey's anatomy the um chasing cars song will come on and <laughs> and then they'll just get blown to smithereens I, it's so funny. There was a part of your book where I was just, you were talking about like, uh, if you're in the hospital with your family and like mm -hmm. you saying everything, you know, everything because of Grey's and like, you're just like, oh, this is fine because like I watched the Grey's Anatomy episode with that. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like if I'm ever in Seattle and I like have to go to the hospital, I'm like going to be like, call Christina Yang. No one else. No, she's the <laughs> only one I know who I trust with the surgery. And I, I feel like that'll be like my last words and I'll have no regrets because I'll be like, this is, put that on, a page, <laughs> on my tombstone because I want people to know that was my last The word. only person, the just only get person. Sandra O. Oh, she can do it. She, she's the only character on that show who I trust. Um, yeah. So my last question for you is, um, how do you see, compared to the 2000s, for yourself specifically in your own lens, mm -hmm to like how you're taking in media now, what has changed for you? Mm. Like what has, what has changed and not changed, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way that like I am engaging with entertainment um, mm. now, so I'm, I'm 31. Um, I think that, I think that as a, I think that as a teenager, whether you're doing it consciously or not, as, as we've talked about, like you're mm. kind of looking for you like, looking for models of behavior, models of like, what kind of person I can be, what, who do I, who do I like? What do I like? You know, mm -hmm. um, figuring ourselves out through the stories we're taking in. Right. Um, I think that now I'm definitely, uh, you know, so that was what was happening with me as a teenager. Then I mm -hmm. came out, then I sort of had that delayed adolescence thing of like really taking mm -hmm. in a lot of teen media because I, you know, as I talked about before of just being like, oh, now I'm um, like, now I'm, I'm, you know, out and dating and whatever, and can, right. can relate to this, these experiences that, you know, these teenagers and Gossip Girl are having. I mean, that's not true. I could never relate to anyone on that show, but um, then, and now I think I'm more critical, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm going at it a little, 
a little more intellectually now than I think, you know, as an adult than I would be as a kid. But I think also like the most, the more, the most interesting queer stories that I see on TV are about people who are really different than me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's about like learning, uh, you know, where if, if, if consuming entertainment as a kid was kind of a way for me to learn about myself, I think that now it's really a way to learn about other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I am just, yeah. So like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not super, I'm not seeking out stories about like white cis lesbians, um, but about like the much more broad LGBT Mm -hmm. community. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's kind of, Oh no, go on. Sorry. sorry. No, no, no. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> no, I, it's just so funny to say that because I feel like I had the opposite effect where like my mm-hmm. childhood, because as a black gay man, I was like, my mm-hmm. childhood was seeing all, only the white cis, more like, uh, what's up? Like it's, it wasn't the insta-gay culture that there is now, but it was like approaching it. It was like the, yes. it's what the, the foundation it was built on. And yeah. it was me having to like watch from the outside this culture and being like oh I guess this is what like queer culture is because this mm-hmm. is what they're telling me it is and being like I guess that's something that me specifically I was like I don't know if I can be a part of but mm-hmm. this is what they're telling me it is to be a gay man and totally this queer community and now it's me oh no that wasn't it this is what it's sh- this is me feeling like accepted in like the represented for the first time so I feel like there's a yeah it's so interesting to see that like opposite effect happening for people who are othered where it's like totally it's like before it was like but like yeah it's it's so interesting no that makes that makes complete sense and like I you know I think for me as much as I like bitch about the l word right Mm -hmm. like I'm like the show sucks and (laughs) like has you know it's like racist and biphobic and transphobic and all this stuff but like um but at the same time, I am the per- I am the kind of person who is being represented on that mm-hmm. show. So like I can I kind of was like okay yeah you know I can like shit on it and then be like but still but still feel a sense of like being seen by it. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I'm like oh I'm not interested in that anymore or or for whatever reason because I'm like oh this was like wasn't satisfying to me. But like yeah. but no that like that makes complete sense what and you're just saying. It just, I mean, it feels good now. It feels like one that we should have had it. And do you, like to go off the question, so it's not a new question, so I didn't lie. Um, is it, do you feel like it's, there's a lot of these new um, represent representative stories of non-white culture that's trying to catch up to where, cause I feel like a lot of white, uh, white centric queer media has kind of caught up to that maybe not queer, just like gay specifically in the queer uh, spectrum, like Mm -hmm. that has kind of gotten to evolve where now we're just starting Mm -hmm. off with a lot of these like non-white centric shows that have like, are trying Mm -hmm. to catch up. Is it, are you seeing a lot of that in um, what you're watching? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that like the, the kinds of like queer characters that we're seeing on in TV and movies are definitely more, racially diverse and then we're seeing a lot more trans characters too which is really really important um and that is like that is so much more exciting to me than seeing people than 
like that sort of like learning and feeling mm -hmm. this more like solidarity with a broader community and with mm -hmm. people who don't necessarily look like me or don't necessarily like live lives that like um uh, that are like mine mm -hmm. um i but the fact that i can still like through storytelling feel connected to people um mm -hmm. and feel connected to this broader lgbt community through it is like that is to me what is exciting about this moment i think you're right i think it's like i mean i feel like in 10 10 15 years there'll be like another one of these books where hopefully you'll write it where it's like how the 2000s how the two 2010s made me even gayer um yeah <laughs> and i'm and like i feel like i will be the first in line i'll do this podcast again just oh I'll, my god yeah um, I'll, I'll be here 10 years from now mark your calendar 2031 20, if the world has not melted 2031 what a concept what a concept um what a concept also i lied i did lie because i have one last thing to okay. ask you and it's for the it's it's a question for the audience for the listeners out there if you were to recommend because i feel like this past year was a year of rewatching, maybe because like there was just so little coming out because of the pandemic and i feel like we're now in this trend of rewatching because of that like i feel like streaming mm -hmm. streaming networks are being like here's this classic show that you must have forgot about hbo max mm -hmm. is getting reminding me like oh you watched this as a child so you need to rewatch this now yeah um, the I'm really talking about the nanny. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. But like, when you're rewatch, do you have any advice for someone rewatching these shows and like reconnecting to their past in ways that might be uncomfortable for them? How to like interpret it? How to interpret their memories of it and their feelings towards it? That's such an interesting question. Um, like rewatching stuff what that was popular I think it's just like I try to like watch you know if, if I'm thinking about re-watching like the OC or something mm -hmm. that I did watch as, as a teenager um I think it's like allowing yourself to watch more emotionally than intellectually like I think that we you know as or at least I do like as an adult have this sort of like internal like oh this is this is wrong because of like xyz reason and i and i am mm -hmm. reading it more critically and more intellectually but like all that's doing is building this like false blockade between your current self and your teenage self and i think that like i think the world would be a much better place if we all like were more emotionally in touch with our teenage selves mm -hmm. um because I, as much as like you know we were talking about teenagers being like terrifying which mm -hmm. is true yeah. um they're also like really fucking smart and have mm -hmm. this like emotional potency that I think um, I am always going to be envious of. And that mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if we let ourselves get more pissed off rather than over intellectualizing everything, we could like make some real change in the world that needs to happen. So watch, watch your TV shows emotionally and hopefully you can, uh, <laughs> you know, change the world. And, <laughs> That's yeah, my advice, I, I guess. <laughs> see, I knew that was a great last question because what a great way to end this <laughs> off. It just perfectly, um, you said it perfect. I, I can't even add on to that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so thank you, Grace, for doing this. This has been such a fun episode for me. I have relived all my trauma um, as I go, <laughs> as I like end this and press play on Glee. I'm like, oh, oh God, <laughs> what trauma. All right, let's get back into yeah, it. My 
my advice for you watching Glee is like, don't be hard on yourself for loving Glee when you're a teenager. Just be like, yeah, fuck it. This show is shitty and I love it. Like, it's, let it's me like, love it. It's let like, yourself love your bad TV. It's so funny because I'm re- listening to the songs too and I'm just like, oh no, like this is, I had this on my iPod and like, I knew, I know it word for word. Oh God, what am I? And like, I just watched the Michael Yeah, when you, when you know the mashups word for word, that's it's, when it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I was watching the Michael Jackson episode and I would, me with my sister being like, oh no, this is something <laughs> watching, watching this episode being like, this is, this is music. This is what music should be. And now yeah, I'm just like, like, this is art. Oh my God, this is sorry, Michael. So sorry, Michael. Um, no, this no, this again. This has been fantastic. Um, yeah, Grace's this is so much is, fun. Grace's book is the two thousands mini gay essays on pop culture. Grace, when does your book come out? Is it? It's not. It, com- it comes out June. No, right? it comes out June first. Yeah, June first. Yeah. So we're starting off Pride Month, right? I was like, it's it's either the end, right. right at the end of May or beginning of June. So either one, either way, like go buy Grace's book to like support your um, local uh, queerness and your pride. So this is how, we should all be just, the pride month should just be us reading to the 2008 gay in our separate houses alone. Yeah, um, if we can't go to a parade, then read my book. Read the book, read Grace's book. That's the declaration of pride I'm making this year. Uh, <laughs> no, this is, no, but go buy it. We'll have, it'll be on display at your local, uh, at our, our local bookstore, Skylight Books. So go, go grab yourself a copy. And Grace, do you have anything you would like to say to the independent bookstore community or just like book lovers who are listening in to like about the look, about indie bookstores? Just go buy books at indie bookstores. That's mm-hmm. all I got to say. Indie bookstores are the best. And, you know, once, once we're, um, you know, things are getting, getting back to normal here mm-hmm. in the U.S. And, um, soon we're going to be able to have events at stores and stuff again and that's gonna be so much fun and and make sure you go to those and yeah yeah and that's for your indie bookstores that's all i got and that's that's a perfect way to say it well thank you grace again this has been so much fun and thank you to my wonderful beautiful listeners for tuning in once (laughs) again you guys have a rest a great rest of your day and yeah go run to this book you can also pre-order it on www.skylightbooks.com as of now. So there's no excuse. Go start off your pride right. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.